630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Kara, the former Oiler, signed with Chicago today. Dmitry Kulikov, who was briefly an Oiler at the end of the season, has signed with the Minnesota Wild. The key moves by the Oilers today, Ethan Bear traded to Carolina for Warren Fogle. Cody Ceci signed four years, $3.25 million per year. Zach Hyman signed seven years, $5.5 million per season. Tyson Berry is back three years, four and a half million per year. Derek Ryan, who we're going to hear from in about 45 minutes, two-year deal, 1.25 million. The former U of A Golden Bear will once again be playing home games in Edmonton. Well, I always appreciate getting texts. Obviously, a lot of listener feedback tonight with it being a big news day for the Oilers. I always appreciate the texts who are, uh, I don't mind emotion, but if you can put some logic or reasoning behind it, I, I always, well, you're, uh, it's more likely I'm going to read those on air if, rather than if you just type in with name calling or insults that don't really go anywhere. And if you can make me laugh, you really have a good chance of getting your text read, uh, such as this anonymous person didn't put a name or a handle on it. Here we go. It gets better as it goes on. So just give it a second here, and then I'll get to Jason on the phone line. This texture says, Reed, I wish we could have won a cup with Bear, love him, but also with Ryan Smith, Gagne, Hendricks, and many more. As hard as it can be, sometimes organizations have to make changes. Really love Duncan Keith since day one, wishing all these young guys the absolute best. And if they ever need an old guy who can't do crossovers, give them my number. I'll lie in front of every shot for the next four years for a Mercedes Sprinter van. I'm six foot four, 235-ish. Do I have to wear skates? <laughs> so he'd be willing to be uh, paid uh, with a van, which I don't even know if there's a rule under the NHL CBA for being paid with uh, vehicles. Good size, 6'4", 235. I do believe you have to wear skates. So we'll just leave that there and uh, see where the scouting report goes with that individual. The hotline is presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. Is this uh, is this thoughtful Jason on the line? I know there's a Jason that's called that's always very, very thoughtful and thorough. Is this you, Jason? I hope so. Well, I hope, well, I hope it's me. <laughs> no. What's on your mind? <laughs> well, I was just... Uh... I was kind of laughing about your your lineup combination with uh, Nuge centering Hyman and uh, and Cassian. I, I I don't I just don't see Nuge isn't strong enough to be be a center. I I still I've always thought of him as a winger myself. So I leave him with. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking Hyman on the, a left winger with uh, that shoots right with McDavid. That guy's McDavid's going to get 150 points, and you know I would. It would wouldn't surprise me to see Hyman get uh, get 50 goals. He'll he'll play that. He's going to take Nuge's spot on the first power play because he'll be. You know what? Just gives it a totally different look because they they always have those three left-handed shots, and then it's you know when uh, Drysaddle was having to catch the puck on his backhand to switch it to his forehand to shoot. I mean that was a neat trick, but uh, yep. if you if you have that guy coming in off the point and he's a right-handed shot, like it's going to. It'll scare the crap out of teams. I'll, I'll let you finish here. I'll just jump in quickly. And it's, it's interesting that's how you responded to the line combinations because I thought I thought I would be more catch people off guard about Cassian being reintroduced to the top six because I wonder when we get there if they might give him another crack. And, and like I said, and put and maybe shelter Yamamoto from the expectations of having to be a top six winger for the time being. 
Like somebody said, oh, they're going to turn Yamamoto. I'm not saying they're going to turn Yamamoto into a checker. I'm just saying maybe Cassian gets another chance to get his feet moving in, in a top six role. But yeah, I think more likely Nuge is a winger, but he, he might play center sometimes. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But I mean, I, same thing with Cassian. I mean, they protected him because they want to try something, right? They're not going to, they would have just, otherwise, they would have just let him walk, right? Right. Right. So I'm, I'm excited to see uh, see Zach on that top line with McDavid because that's part of the reason why I think he left left Toronto is that, you know, as good as Matthews and Marner are, they're kind of, they're not as mature as McDavid and Drysaddle. Like, those guys are 200-foot players, and they and he knows that if I'm in the right spot, the puck, all I have to do is just have my stick in there, and it's going to be at me right now. Where where Matthews and Marner is, where they're looking to score, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. What's the biggest drawback on the roster for you right now? Um, well, I mean, I mean, I kind of agree with you on the CC thing, but maybe they're they're bringing them in because they're the, the unknown quantity that nobody really knows about is what Bouchard did during the season because nobody could see him, right? Like even you guys that are connected to the team, you never even got to see a practice or nothing. So like, who knows what they like when you go into the playoffs and they were they went with uh, Jones and Bear. That might have been a haul and thing. Said, "Look at Tippett. You got to run with these guys." And then he finally just pulled the pin on and said, "I'm not playing them." So now they're right. up, they're out, right? Yeah. Like that could have been exactly what was going on. Like Holland said to him, "Like these are who you're playing, and I don't care what you think." And then so Tippett did what he could and said, "Okay, well they're not playing." So now both of them are gone. To that. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that much of a coincidence that those two guys didn't play, and both of them are gone. Yeah. Uh, we, we did get to go to the home practices. We did get to go to the home practices in morning skates, just to clarify oh, okay. that. But, yeah, they, obviously Bob and Jack and those guys didn't travel this year for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, so, it was okay. it was obviously different. So maybe, Thanks, maybe Jason. CC's being, being brought in to, to just as a, um, a buffer and then Bouchard might end up taking that, that second spot. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Things will change throughout the year. No, good thoughts, Jason. I appreciate it, man. Please call again. Great. Take care. Jason, 780-496-0063. Trent says, so, uh, Reed, are the Oilers a better team after today? Are they real contenders now? Building a team is always catching lightning in a bottle, but I'd wager some holes were swapped out today, but I still think we need a goalie for McDavid's career. Like when you say Gretzky, you say fewer. Yeah, and that's an ongoing thing for me. And even like even if Mike Smith is is really good the next couple of years, what happens three, four, five years from now? I mean, eventually Mike Smith is is not going to be playing anymore at his age do they have the, and that's why i said what if you would have grabbed this wallstead kid and you say maybe we're going to hit the the home run with him right like that's that's why I, I said this on monday that's why if it's me and i know they have more information about wallstead than i than i have fair enough but if it's me if if wallstead reaches his max potential that's an absolute home run if Borgo reaches his max potential, it, that would be great, but I don't know if it would have the same impact on the franchise that a goalie would. That's that's my argument. I'm sure a lot of people see it differently, but that's why why I would have leaned towards taking a goaltender. Uh, who do we have? Ryan is on the line as well. Ryan, what what's on your mind, man? Go ahead. Well, that new team, uh, the Seattle Kraken? Yes. Is that true that they named their new arena the Krakows? Oh my goodness! You've you've been thinking of that all week, haven't you? <laughs> I thought you'd get a laugh today. Do you know what it's actually called? Pardon? Do you know what it's actually called? Uh, no, I have no idea. It's called Climate Pledge Arena. Oh, 
Is that something? It is something, isn't it? <laughs> but we might call it the crack house from time to time on this show if they'll let us get away with it. Do you think Bob Layton will get mad if we call it that? Well, that sounds like a city in Saskatchewan climax. <laughs> All right. There we go. That's... Uh, that's Ryan bringing the uh, laughs tonight at 780-496-0063. Uh, Rick in the park says the Oilers need another defenseman. They need a real third-line center. Derek Ryan, more of a fourth-line center. Uh, Rick adds, I don't think there's anything available now for a real third-line center, but so much happened today. Maybe I'm, uh, I'm missing somebody. No, that's uh, that's – I mean, there's still some guys out there, but that's a fair comment. And Ryan Getzlaff – Ryan Getzlaff got $4.5 million for one year in Anaheim. That's uh, a pretty generous deal, I think. Let's uh, let's get back to a couple clips from Ken Holland today, and we do have open lines, 780-496-0063. Ken Holland, here's what he said about trying to add a goalie. Well, the only way I can get in the goalie market, Jim, is if I trade a goalie. I mean, Mike Smith's got a two-year deal at 2.2, and Miko Koskin's got a one-year deal at 4.5. Um, so I, I, I could not get into the goalie carousel if you wanted me to because um, of contracts. All right, so I think he's basically saying unless he can trade Miko Koskinen, he can't just go out and, and add another goaltender. It appears that that's Ken Holland's thinking there. He was also asked if he is done on defense. No, not finished tinkering on the blue line. Probably, you know, we're looking maybe, maybe, maybe add one more guy. But um, you know, obviously we've got uh, got Lagesson and we've got um, Chris Russell. So, you know, could possibly do something on one more guy. I'm, I'm not sure. Going to kind of let the dust settle here um, over the next couple of days and 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 um, see where we go. All right, so uh, maybe still another ad on the blue line for the Edmonton Oilers. We will uh, get to a couple of comments, but we have a little more from Ken Holland, Tyson Berry, Cody Cece, Warren Fogle, all before the bottom of the hour. More on the Elks all-time all-stars that you voted on. Hector Pothy is going to join us tonight, and we will have Derek Ryan on before 8 o'clock. Inside Sports on Chet. You gotta play rock, rock till you drop later in the show. Also by Def Leppard, great band. Uh, D writes in. He says, "Do you think Ken Holland doesn't value goalies as much since he did win with Chris Osgood, who wasn't a superstar?" Uh, I don't know about that. I, th- I think he values goalies. I think it's pretty obvious how important goaltending is in the NHL, or as I call it, the NGL, the National Goaltending League. How sick is everybody gonna get of me saying that for the next few years, eh? Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can get a full recap of everything the Oilers did today in written form on the Oilers page on 630ched.com or globalnews.ca. We have been breaking it down for you as uh, we move throughout the show. One of the uh, first moves we saw today was the trade. Ethan Bear traded for Warren Fogle. Fogel, a 2014 draft pick. Ethan Bear, a 2015 draft pick. Fogel now up to 200 career games. He played 53 games this past season, had 10 goals and 20 points. So if he's kind of on that pace for the Oilers where he's 0.4 points per game on the third line, probably pretty good, more than the Oilers have had from a third liner really in a long time. He had this to say about this past season. First off, I, I, uh, 
I loved my time in Carolina. Um, we had a great group of guys and um, we had a great coach in Rod Brindamore and, um, you know, we had a good team and we, and we fell short in the playoffs. Um, but uh, at the end of the year, like we had some honest conversations with each other and um, you, you never know what, what's going to happen next. But um, all I do know is that I'm extremely thrilled to, uh, to be with the Oilers. That's Warren Fogle. Frank Cervelli was on uh, Stoffer's extended coverage uh, earlier today. Uh, he and Mooner did a great job. They wound up being on from 10 until 3. And uh, Frank Cervelli from Daily Faceoff, who's been uh, breaking a lot of stuff lately, uh, made a comment along the lines that maybe Fogle wanted more opportunity than what he was getting in Carolina. I, I would think he will get that here. He didn't really go too deep into that clip there when I asked him the question earlier today. Um, but he did say, you know, we had some honest conversations, so maybe that is uh, part of what led to the trade. Fogle also described his game like this. I think I'm just a tenacious 200-foot player. Um, I try to use my speed to, uh, you know, take pucks to the net, draw penalties, and, um, you know, I, I like to play a hard-nosed game and, and, you know, be reliable on, uh, on, on the defensive zone as well. The first time I ever really heard a lot about Warren Fogle was a couple of years ago. And uh, there, there was, and it's an ongoing storyline here in Edmonton. There, there might be other uh, talk show hosts on this station who talk more about it than I do. Uh, <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But about, about uh, Connor McDavid not drawing enough penalties. The, the why aren't, uh, why aren't there more penalties called for infractions on McDavid? And at the time of that season, Warren Fogle was leading the NHL in penalties drawn. And a, a lot of the reaction was, who the heck is Warren Fogle? Well, now he's an oiler, and if he can draw penalties here, great. But he's got some decent size, he skates well, and he goes to the net, which I think is important. He, does, he doesn't appear to be labeled as a perimeter player. So that's good news about Warren Fogle. Somebody made a, somebody texted me this morning of, of something about super bad. Can somebody help me? Angie, can you help me? You're a hip kid. I've seen the movie Super Bad. Was the character's name Fogle? It rings a bell, but I will definitely Google it and get back to you. Okay. Somebody will text. Was that kind of the uh, awkward-looking guy? Was he named Fogel? Or something close? I don't know. Somebody said, oh, you guys got super bad. And I was like, what? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Tyson Berry is back. The leading scorer among defensemen in the NHL last year. Really, again, kept the Oilers' power play at a really high level. He can pass the puck, he can shoot, and he talked about signing a three-year deal. Well, he did say that. Trust me. As you, <laughs> do, do we have the uh, uh, clip of Tyson Berry? We might not have it. That's okay. Yeah, but I, I think the Oilers' power play should still be really, really good. Like, why wouldn't it be? And and Hyman probably becomes the net front guy. I, I don't know if he's going to replace Dreisaitl like that one caller said. He just might become the net front guy. And and I think Pugliarvi will probably rotate in there as well. I, like I said on the show yesterday, that Pugliarvi's a big body and if he screens the goalie and, and gets in there with no fear, like Alex chase often did, then I don't see why he wouldn't get some power play time as well. Yakushev says, good evening, Reed. 
Where is Pichirelli these days? Love that guy. I think he was just about to do his best work when the Oilers shipped them out. Okay, Yakushev. I, I think he's working with the St. Louis Blues, isn't it? Uh, okay, I guess McLovin's name was Fogel from the movie Superbad. Appreciate that. Scott in Calgary says, Hey, Reed, very good day by Ken Holland. Fogel is an underrated pickup, even though I'm going to miss Bear. I always wondered how we were going to get bigger on defense, and now I know Derek Ryan fills a big need at a good price, too. Even though I'm not thrilled with bringing back the same goalie tandem as last year, it might be something Holland might look closer into near the trade deadline. Yeah, and, you know, the roster isn't done. It, it, it didn't, I, I didn't get an optimistic vibe from Ken Holland today about changing the goaltending situation. As he said, he still might do something on defense. And then, you know, we make a big deal about the opening day roster while the roster then changes for the second game and, and the third game. I, I thought the caller that called in earlier, I think it might have been D, made a good point. The Oilers should be a playoff team. And if they are a flawed playoff team, then you, you, you got the opportunity to change something during the season. And if goaltender is the big flaw, then I guess you try to hit the Rollison-esque home run like the Oilers did in 2006. And I, I know you don't want to don't, don't want me to talk about the past too much, but they might have to do something like that to try to uh, alter the roster. Uh, this texture says, Hi, Reed. Am I the only one surprised with the term Barry signed for? Well, I don't know. No one else has expressed surprise about it. We definitely heard Barry. I mean, this is the interesting thing. When the season ended, it sounded like Tyson Barry was very unlikely to be back with the Oilers and that he wanted to shop around and he wanted at least a six-year deal from somebody. And then we started to hear more in recent weeks, well, Barry might circle back to the Oilers and the Oilers might circle back to him. And then even as recently yesterday, it sounded like Barry wants a four-year deal. The Oilers only want to give three. And then Barry signs for three years. So... Yeah, I guess you could be, uh, well, I'm not going to stop you from being surprised, but I just, the Oilers didn't want to make a long-term commitment there, and they didn't. He got a bit of a raise from last year. He made three point, uh, what was he at, 3.75 last year. Now he's getting four and a half per year. Okay, music time. That means the news and weather is coming up. We will have Derek Ryan on the show. He's scheduled to join us at about 10 minutes before 8, and uh, we're going to talk to a classic, Hector Pothier, former offensive lineman. He's received a lot of your votes in our voting for the Elks all-time roster. We are going to do running back and offensive lineman today. Heck, Pothier is in the top four for O-line. Where exactly did he finish? You'll get the answer when we get back. I got a text message from Jim who says I have to uh, weigh in on the bear trade. Terrible decision, particularly from a marketing position. Look in the stands to see the support from the indigenous community, not to mention bear is potentially a top four defenseman. The move should have been to trade Cassian. Poor performance in the playoffs is an understatement. Attendance may be an issue over the next few years and in part pays these players big salaries. Big mistake moving bear out. Very disappointed. So Jim didn't like the trade. That's fair. Jim, I appreciate the comment. Um, yeah, I mean, Bear is, uh, he could have a really good career. We don't know. We, we don't know yet. Like I said, I think he was better the previous year than, than he was this past season. Probably an injury played a role in that. 
Uh, Jim, I will say this to you, Jim. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just clap back at you a little bit. I'm always curious when, when, uh, when somebody writes in like that and says they should have traded this player. Look how bad he played. So if you noticed and think that he didn't play that well, probably other teams noticed that, which means he's not very tradable. So uh, just remember that. Uh, I think Ethan Baird did get incredible support from the Indigenous community. I think he earned it and deserved it. I think he was very strong and mature in the face of some incredibly nasty comments that I think 99.9999999% of us know are inappropriate and stupid, and he did a great job standing up to those. Um, do I think that trade alone is going to hurt attendance or marketing for the Oilers? Uh, I would say unlikely, but he, he did become a very popular player. And quite frankly, I wish him all the best. Okay. That was Jim at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. So we had this fun uh, poll on our website last week where you could go on there. You could enter to win elk seasons tickets and you could vote for the top four players in uh, in a position set in the history of the uh, uh, of the Elks, and at running back we had some throwbacks there in the top four. Jim Germany was fourth, Jackie Parker third, Johnny Bright second, and Normie Kwong voted the all-time best running back on the offensive line. Well, we're going to discuss that. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show Hector Pothier. Hector, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good, Reed. I guess that auto dialer on the computer worked. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, that, well, I gotta, I gotta say, Hector, uh, I, I know you and I do do this from from time to time, and it's always fun chatting with you. But one of my all time favorite nights uh, in hosting this show, and you probably remember. Do you remember the night you and Tom Wilkinson came into studio for like an hour? That was so much fun. Yeah, it was. I do, I do remember that. So. Let, let's dive into this. Uh, I, 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 here's the top four vote getters, offensive line from fans: Blake Dermott fourth, Bill Stevenson third, Rod Connop second, and you, Mister Pothier, voted by the fans as the best O lineman in the history of the franchise. They remember you and they love you, buddy. Well, I, I guess that's one thing about having a bald head and a beard. They remember you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a long but, time ago, wasn't it? But but in all seriousness, that's uh, I mean that's gonna be that, that's gonna be pretty cool that that not just fans remember you, that they remember you as a great player. And I don't think it was just all quote unquote older fans voting. I'm sure people did some research and were like, yeah, this Pothier guy was pretty good. That, no, I mean I'm honored by it, of course. I mean anytime anytime you're remembered when you're uh, at retirement age, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, some of the other names, obviously, on the list, Connup, Stevenson, Dermott. Um, and I remember when Wilkie was in, he said that the entire O-line from the late 70s, early 80s dynasty should be in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. I think some of you guys are in there, uh, not everybody. But, like, what what was your relationship like with the quarterbacks of that era? You know, specifically Wilkinson and Moon, who are remembered as two of the all-time greats themselves. Well, I mean, they, you know, Warren and I were rookies together, so we came in and and started the same year. And Wilkie was the veteran and the and the leader, and 
you know, uh, led the team along with, you know, all those guys. I mean, that was that was a magnificent team. We had so many great players and such a good time to be a part of that, uh, of the Eskimo franchise. Or I should now be saying the Elks, right? Yeah, well, the, yeah, names going forward here. Uh, I, don't, I think, what is the alumni going with? I think they're going to go with the double E alumni, but it, it, it's fine. Uh, what was, you know, what was it like, like what was the attitude of the O-line where you kind of like, we just got to keep Wilkinson and Moon upright as long as possible? Were you one of those O-lines and said, we got to be nasty and, and, and impose our will on the game? What was the, the group approach then? Well, I mean, when, I mean, <laughs> We used to tease Wilkie, you know. We, we had to play, we had to play way better for Wilkie than we had to do for Warren, because Warren was a, you know, an unbelievable athlete. Could run like a deer. Was strong as, you know, strong as anybody out there, and you know, was a hell of a quarterback physically. Whereas Wilkie, we, you know, used to tease him about being a short, stubby guy that you had to protect to make sure he didn't get killed out there, which isn't true. He was a great quarterback. He did everything. Uh, you know, I mean, he did the underhand passes and the loop passes and just about everything you could do to get it completed, but they got completed and we won with them. I mentioned the running backs being unveiled tonight as well and uh, some throwbacks there, Kwong, Bright, and Parker. But Jim Germany, you would have been a teammate uh, for Jim Germany. Tell us a little bit about uh, him, his running style blocking for him. And I, I'll, you know what, I'll, and I'll throw Lumsden in there as well. I know he was the fullback, but you kind of had two really good guys back there. Oh, Jim, I, I still, uh, from my Looking back, Jim Germany was the ultimate running back we ever had. I mean, he, you know, he was, he could do it all. He could run, he could, he could uh, block. He was a great blocking back. You never had to worry about him missing his pickup or not being able to block a linebacker or somebody he was uh, assigned to block. A real quiet, unassuming guy that was just a great, great football player. I really, so when you- really enjoyed him. So when you guys worked on a blocking scheme, was the running back as involved in that as as the guys on the O line? Well, of course. I mean, yeah. and that and that goes without saying all the time because I mean they can send seven guys and we've only got five, so we our running backs have to be able to read who's the you know who's the outside linebacker, which one do we have responsibility for? Because the O line would take care of. You know the five, the four down linemen, and we'd also take care of the either the middle, you know, the middle linebacker or whichever way the play was designed. We'd have a specific linebacker, and then they would have to pick up the other ones. So yeah, they, they're they're a very big part of the running. You know, even tandem. Sometimes it would be the the running back and myself. You know, doing a slip block on a running play on the on the weak side. So let me ask you this, because I, like the thing that I find uh, 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 so fascinating about football is that both teams call a play, and then it seems to me a lot of times the play doesn't work out that way for neither the offense nor the defense. <laughs> so you, you always got to adjust and think and, and see what the other guy is doing. So when a, when a quarterback, you know, we always say, well, the quarterback's calling an audible. Is he changing the entire play, or is sometimes he just adjusting the blocking for the offensive line, the the assignments, or do you guys do that yourselves? 
well, every play has its own blocking scheme. He is changing the play when he's audibly, but we then have to adjust who we were supposed to block because depending on the play he called, uh, it, 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 changes what our assignment is and where we're attacking i mean we could be going from a running play to a pass block or vice versa all right you're gonna like this we got we do have a, a fan of the edmonton teams well actually i'm not sure if he cheers for the edmonton teams but he calls himself cowtown bob he actually might cheer for the calgary teams and i probably owe him a lot of money over the years uh he says hector <laughs> hector pothier uh should have received royalties from Warren Moon because he gave him so much protection in his young formative years in pro football. So that, that, that fan remembers you, uh, remembers you quite fondly, which is, uh, which is well, but, but I mean, like you said it with Warren, he could run, he was strong, like to, and then he went on and played in the NFL for almost 20 years. Like, did, yeah. did you think, okay, like, did he even stay in the CFL longer than he thought he would? Did you think, okay, he's going up, moving on at some point? Um, well, I mean, just I, I'm sure every player that comes and has the potential to go to the NFL uh, will take that because there's a huge difference between making fifty or seventy or eighty or a hundred thousand dollars a year and making, you know, two or three or four million dollars a year. You know, that's just. Um, that's an automatic, you would think. You know, if you can get to get to that that team and you make it, then you know you're going to make a ton more money. Hector Pothe joining us then at Inside Sports. Hector, just a couple more for you. Uh, and I've we're doing this position talk every night this week. So I, so I've asked this of uh, I've asked this of Eddie Steele, and I asked this of J.C. Sherritt about their positions. I'll ask I'll ask you this about an offensive lineman. If you have a young football player or a young offensive lineman, w- what are some really important qualities to have that if you want a young guy to turn into a great offensive lineman, what are the building blocks? Well, I think number one, he has to have a real strong belief in himself to be able to compete with anybody. That confidence and that, and that belief that you can get the job done no matter how big or how strong or what your opposition you know, is. I mean, I played, I was... Uh, when I played, I, I often played better against the best players that I played against, like a Mike Walker or a Grover Covington or, you know, those, uh, or even a James Parker when he was with BC, uh, because that's your competitive edge. You know that if you don't play at your best against those guys, they'll embarrass you. And, uh, you know, so you, I always found that those guys got me... I was never flat. Let's say it, put it that way. I was never flat for a game when we were playing one of the top guys in the league. All right. Uh, what? How would have Heck Pothy the player been with this uh, long training camp with no preseason games like they're doing now? And I think when you played, there might have been three or four exhibition games, which seems excessive to me. <laughs> well, you know, I, as a Canadian in Canadian college, I needed that training camp and I needed those games and I needed those live practices to get used to the, the abilities of the defensive linemen. Our Canadian, at that time, I mean, I think we've come a long, long way in our, in football and Canadian college and, and a lot of guys play in the States, but 
our the defensive guys that I played in, against in college did not have the technique and the abilities of a David Boone, you know, or, or any of those players. So and a Ron Este and all those guys. So for me to have that practice and even even when we did defensive team to be in against those guys specifically gave me a, a good chance to grow and learn and read the techniques that these guys had. So it, it was a it was a big help to me to have that. Without it, boy, I think it'd be a lot harder to, you know, in, to get better faster if you didn't have some of those skills. Hector, I'm going to give the final word to Dean, who just texted in this message. Dean says, when I was 17 years old in 1983, Hector was in line in front of me at McDonald's, and he seemed like a giant. I was just a skinny kid. He was so nice and friendly. Fast forward 30 years later, I ran into him at Costco. He was still happy and friendly. The only difference, I was bigger than him. I figured it was diet time. So there you go. You inspired <laughs> Dean twice in his life. <laughs> That's a nice story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hector, I'm sure we'll do this again. I always love having you on the show. Thanks for hopping on. Congratulations on being voted the greatest O-lineman in the history of the franchise, man. We'll see you soon. Okay, take care, Reed. That is Hector Pate. Always a blast. Yeah, he's voted the top O-lineman. Normie Kwong voted the all-time best running back. Tomorrow, receiver and quarterback. Derek Ryan from the Edmonton Oilers when we get back. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, appreciate those of you who enjoyed the interview with Hector Pothier and all our free agency coverage today and the Oilers trade as well. And one of the new members of the Edmonton Oilers is not new when it comes to playing his home games in Edmonton because for four years from 07 to 11, he was a member of the U of A Golden Bears. He gets a two-year contract today from the Oilers. Derek Ryan is back on Inside Sports. Derek, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, Reed, I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Uh, well, I, I'm doing very well. I, you, you couldn't get enough of me and Stauffer, so you're coming back to Edmonton, so good for you for <laughs> for enduring our interviews over the next couple of years. But but in all seriousness, uh, how does it feel? Why was Edmonton the landing spot for you? Um, I mean, there's lots of reasons. Today has been a pretty crazy day, obviously, with free agency. It's crazy for everybody. Um, two of the biggest check boxes for me going into free agency was I wanted to go to a place where I felt like I had a chance to win a cup. Um, Edmonton checked that box for me. I feel like uh, the Oilers have two of the best players in the world. Um, I think shoring up the depth in the center group or the forward group around them is key and uh, hopefully I can provide that and I think they have a lot of the pieces that uh, you know can lead to some, some success in the regular season. Hopefully some success in the playoffs as we try to chase the cup i think it'd be pretty cool so so that was a big part of it um the opportunity that the organization you know had for me i feel like like i just mentioned the the depth around connor and leon is uh was a need for the oilers and uh, i thought that was a good fit for myself so hopefully i can slot in there and uh continue to provide the the things i have in calgary and in carolina before that and uh it was just a, it was a good fit all around 
you, one thing that's been a positive for you is your faceoffs, 52% last season with Calgary and 55.4% uh, for your career. C- can you can you touch on why you think you've been so successful in the circle and, and how important it is gonna, to, be, to have that right shot option here with the Oilers? Yeah, for sure. That's a big part of my game. Uh, I've taken it seriously all the way from when I used to play for the Golden Bears to now in the NHL. It's a, it's a big part of... Uh, having possession, uh, hockey in the NHL in particular is a possession game. The more we can have the puck, uh, the more we can do with it. The more offense we can create, the less offense we can have, less offense we can have from the other team in our end. So, um, yeah, that's a huge part of my game. I think there's more to it than that, hopefully, that I can provide. But that's definitely a critical element in the, the depth of the Oiler lineup is to have that right shot center. You know, what was it like for you the last three years being part of the Battle of Alberta, the, what, 10 games this year, um, the the fight a couple of years ago, the, the goalie fight game a couple of years ago. Tell me about being a part of the Battle of Alberta and now changing sides in it. That's kind of a, a, a unique situation for a player. Yeah, it is. It seems like it's happened a little more often lately than I ever would have thought um, with guys changing, flip-flopping from Calgary to Edmonton or vice versa. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a special event. It's At the end of the day, it's another game in the regular season. It only counts for two points. But uh, the Battle of Alberta is an emotional event, and uh, it takes a toll on the players. We're, we're aware of it, and uh, we get pretty amped up for it. Um, I can speak for that on the Calgary side. I'm sure it's the same on the Oilers side. And Yeah, I don't know. I, I've kind of witnessed it a little bit. Um, as a fan, I guess, when I was playing for the Golden Bears. So I got to feel the energy of the city um, watching the Battle of Alberta. So I'm excited to be in Edmonton and uh, be on the Oilers' side for the Battle of Alberta. It's going to be a lot of fun. Derek Ryan, new Edmonton Oiler, joining us tonight at Inside Sports. I, I got to give uh, credit here to the source for de- getting these stats. Jonathan Willis writes for The Athletic. And he tweeted this out about you, that with the Flames last season, you were 12th among forwards in five-on-five ice time, but you were tied for sixth in even strength points per 60 minutes, and you led the team in Corsi, four percentage, shot four percentage, goal four percentage, and expected goals four percentage. I, I know I'm throwing some stats out there, but do you pay attention to your own analytical stats and some of those so-called uh, fancy stats? Is that something you as an NHL player uh, thinks about? Um, it's not something I follow on a day-to-day basis. It's something I'm aware of now, just having gone through free agency. And it's funny you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the teams that were interested in, in picking me up or having me on their team were teams that are heavy into analytics. Um, because, like you said, my if you go on a deep dive on my analytics, then they're they're pretty good. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's not something like I said that I pay attention too closely to. Um, unfortunately, the goals and assists kind of get brought up more often. But um, you know, the the people that that are hiring us and writing the paychecks, they pay attention to a little bit more than just the goals and assists. So that's uh, that's a good thing. And uh, hockey's the hockey analytics are just growing right now. I think it's getting bigger and bigger, and more teams are looking into it more and more i i got a i got a text message from a former golden bears teammate of yours uh earlier today uh his initials are lz and he said he was going to ask you if you're going to move back into residence at the u of a probably not uh but you know just just a thought on on being an edmontonian again i mean zach hyman said he 
flew out here last week and looked at some neighborhoods. You, I mean, you probably kind of know the city, and I'm not going to ask you where you're going to live, but you probably might ha- have an idea or two here along the way. Just tell me about being an Edmontonian again here soon. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's a great city. I think it kind of gets a bad rap from a lot of the players in the NHL that don't know much about it. They just kind of fly in and you see downtown and that's it. But it's awesome. And I have I have a lot of friends there that are basically second family. So it's, it's going to be a bit of a homecoming in terms of getting to see a lot of those people again. Um, I've gotten a lot of texts from those people today, throughout the day. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty familiar with most of the areas where the families live in the Oilers, um, you know, west of downtown or whatever. So my wife's been been on the on the house hunt already. So we're excited to find a place um, and uh, call Edmonton home again. Derek, congratulations! We'll see you at training camp. All the best, man. Thanks, Reed. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks for having me on. Derek Ryan from the Edmonton Oilers. Get a full rundown of the Oilers' day on 630Ched.com. Stoffer Oilers now noon to two tomorrow. I'm back six to eight. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.